Welcome back, gardeners, to the Gardeners with Altitude podcast. I'm your host, Regina Hitchcock, and we're going to talk today um, about the three sisters. So this podcast is going to start out just talking about corn and a little bit about the way that the three sisters combine to form the perfect balanced diet as well as a synergistic relationship in the garden itself. If you need more information or you want to find links or photos, just go to our website www.gardenerswithaltitude.com and you will be able to have download and access the full transcript of this and all of our other podcasts as well as any supplemental material that we may have. So let's just go ahead and begin. So the three sisters, as we call it in the gardening world, um, are corn, beans, and squash. As I said before, we're going to be talking about corn today. Um, A few things that you need to understand about corn so originally it's it's believed to have been developed in Mexico from a small grass-like grain called teosente. Um, it had a very small head, not unlike, you know, Bermuda grass or rye grass or anything else like that. Um, but then it was developed over hundreds of years uh, to what we know today as corn. There are several types of corn. Um, Back when this was being developed, it was being developed for the purposes of making cornmeal or corn flour to be made into tortillas and other types of bread. Um, But today, a lot of people enjoy sweet corn. Okay, so our basic five types of corn are dent corn, flint corn, popcorn, or what we call Indian corn. Um, and sweet corn. Okay, so dent corn and flint corn, as well as many of what we consider Indian corn or ornamental corn, are typically used for corn flour or corn meal. Um, They're very, very starchy. It's very difficult to chew. It's not very sweet, Um, but it definitely has a very rich, deep corn flavor. So you know, if you've ever had, you know, blue cornmeal or whatever, it probably came from a dent corn or what we call a flint corn. Okay, and then sweet corn, which is what a lot of people consider corn today. Um, This would be corn that we eat, you know, roasted at the fair or um, what we would buy in a can, you know, whole kernel corn or even creamed corn. Sweet corn is further broken down into four different categories. You have your normal sugary corn, um, which is sometimes signified by a capital S and a capital U. It just basically means normal sugary. And those are your corns like your golden bantam, um, a shoe peg corn, just those kind of older, more heirloom varieties, the ones that you could save the seeds for. They're not super, super sweet. They are eaten when they're, you know, green. They're not dried and made into flour or anything like that. It is eaten green. Um, But it 
it tends to be much more starchy, tends to have a lot of that deep corn flavor, the very kind of vintage corn flavor, if you want to think of it like that. The second variety and the first of the sugary enhanced hybrids is actually called sugary enhanced. It's signified with an S-E. Um, those are things like candy corn. This is developers bred corn to be just a little bit more sweet, to stay sweet a little bit longer, to have a little bit more tender kernels. Um, but it is a hybrid, meaning that if you, if you save seed, you may or may not get the same kind of corn that produced that seed, okay? Um, the third variety and the second hybrid that we have of sweet corn is the SH2 or the super sweet corn. These are extremely popular right now. They are, they keep their sweetness for quite a while. They're extremely sweet, very, very tender. Um, and they're available from just about every non-heirloom seed company. So if you're looking for organic heirloom seeds, you're probably not going to find any of the hybrid, the sugary enhanced, the super sweet, or the, the last variety, which is the synergistic corns. Um, but one of the super sweet corns I really, really love is called That's Delicious. It's available from Gurney's and several other larger seed companies. The last variety that we have of sweet corn is the synergistic corn and basically the synergistic corn is a unique hybrid that has individual kernels of both the sugary enhanced and the super sweet kernels so it's kind of a it's kind of a different kind of corn it's becoming very popular because it is very sweet it is very tender um, and it has kind of the characteristics of both the sugary enhanced corn which has that kind of corn flavor to it but also the very sweet kernels um, like the that's delicious one of my favorite um, varieties of the synergistic corn is gotta have it it is a bicolor corn as well as a you can also get a yellow gotta have it and also a white gotta have it so there's all three varieties um, but they're very, very good. And they have, like I said, they have individual kernels of the super sweet varieties as well as the sugary enhanced varieties. So it's kind of an interesting thing. So regardless of what kind of corn that you're buying, or even whether you're buying sweet corn or whether you're um, wanting to grow corn to make into flour or meal, um, or even just ornamental or popcorn, um, there's a few things that you need to be aware of. First of all, corn is an extremely heavy feeder. There is a bit of wisdom that when the pilgrims were first planting their corn, the native peoples told them to plant a fish in the hole with the corn to help them the you know corn to grow better and there's there's a lot of scientific evidence ha that has gone into proving that that's a very good idea because of how heavy of a feeder that corn is. Corn is a grass plant. As I said before, it did originate from a grass. 
Um, even though we eat the seeds, it is a major grass plant. So just like any other grass, any other green, it needs a ton of nitrogen. Um, Well-rotted manure is a really good option. Many of the fish fertilizers, the seaweed fertilizers, those kinds of things are also very, very effective for corn. There are a lot of organic fertilizers out there. Um, things like blood meal, things like... Um, like I said, fish, fish meal and fish fertilizer, those all have a pretty high quality nitrogen content to them. Um, it's always a good idea with corn to plant it in shorter blocks as opposed to one single long row. If you're planting five or six rows of corn, you know, long rows, 50 foot rows is completely fine. But if you plant, if you plan on only doing one section of corn or one row of corn um, the germination rate is going to be lower for one thing and then also the pollination rate is going to be a lot lower because corn is wind pollinated and I don't I don't know everybody's location but in here in northeast Arizona the wind does not blow in a straight line like it just kind of swirls around and things like that and so sometimes if you've got you know one long row of corn as opposed to several short rows or even a block of corn um, one end of the row will not be pollinated at all okay so it's always a better idea to go ahead and plant in blocks um, the the transcript of this particular podcast will have a picture of several of my raised beds of corn. Uh, they're very closely packed. The recommendation is 12 to 18 inches between plants of corn and mine are 12 to 18 inches in all directions. So it's not like 12 to 18 inches and then four, row, four feet between the next row. They're literally in a raised bed that's got approximately 40 square feet and there's 40 plants, okay? Um, because it is wind pollinated, corn crosses very, very easily. And there's nothing quite as disappointing as planting, spending a lot of money on synergistic corn seed and planting it and having it grow and then having it cross with your neighbor's, um, you know, flint corn. Because then you end up with corn kernels on your supposedly synergistic you know, corn plants that you can't even eat, you can't even chew, okay? So they do cross very easily. The way that you get around that, um, number one, only plant one variety of corn for yourself unless you can isolate them by time of maturity by at least two weeks. So if you've got a popcorn, for example, that's like an 85-day corn, um, it'll put up it'll put up tassels in two to three or you know three months or so and it'll be pollinating long after your 60-day sweet corn so that's the that's honestly the best way if you don't have a lot of people around you growing corn also and you want to grow more than one variety, just make sure that you do have at least two to three weeks between maturity dates of those corns and you should be fine. So I only learned this about 10 years ago and I thought it was really interesting. I don't know why I didn't even think about it before, but so the, the female part of 
the corn plant is in fact the ear which we all know um, and the male part is in the tassel the pollen is created in the tassel the part I didn't necessarily know was the fact that each individual silk on an ear of corn is connected to one individual kernel of corn and that silk runs all the way from the outside of the ear wrapped in the husks all the way down to the individual kernel now sometimes if you open up a an ear of corn and you find that there are some kernels that are not developed it could very well be because that individual corn silk that ran down to that seed did not receive a grain of pollen that happens a lot of times when you again plant in one long row or even two long rows and there's incomplete fertilization it also happens when you have something like corn earworms or cutworms or something like that that gets into the ear and chews off the silk that goes to that kernel of, of corn a lot of times that does happen you'll see um, ears of corn that don't have developed kernels in all the spots and there's like there's like an insect inside it okay um, corn loves water but the soil needs to drain it will actually rot and kill your corn if you're if you're in heavy heavy clay um, that stays moist all the time it you know corn won't grow in boggy areas not a real big problem here in st. John's it's pretty arid and pretty dry um, but there are some some people growing directly in the ground um, who who think that you know corn will do best where it stays you know wet all the time and end up having really poor corn production and and that's probably why so they definitely like their water but they need to drain okay so whether it's in the ground or in a raised bed uh, corn does like to drain so the last kind of thing that I want to talk about with corn is the pests that kind of aggravated a little bit we all have opened up ears of corn that are um, eaten partially by corn earworms so the corn earworms are not going to kill the plant all right it, it's not like you know aphids that you know suck the juice out of the plant and cause the plant to die but what does happen is those corn earworms they eat a lot of the ear the kernels inside the ear and then also like I said before if they eat the silks if they chew through the silks then it makes it very difficult to get good pollination rate inside your ears of corn so controlling corn earworms is actually important for your harvest one thing that I have found and I, I really love and I use all the time myself is a product called Green Step Caterpillar Control. Um, it's sold by several different organic companies, but I, I've always used Gardens Alive. Uh, there will be a link in the transcript of this podcast. Um, it's a fantastic product. It kills all sorts of caterpillars uh, whether it's corn earworms or tomato hornworms there it just it takes takes care of a lot of them uh, and you can spray it directly on the plant it doesn't have to contact the worm itself um, 
but you definitely can get some good control that way. Another product, another organic product is BT. It's available as a spray. Um, in fact, a lot of hybrid corns these days are actually um, genetically modified to produce their own BT. Now, this is a podcast for an organic growing group. And so we don't necessarily encourage the use of that, but it is an option if corn earworms are a really big problem and BT is difficult for you to get. Um, There is a little bit of wisdom that says that mineral oil, when placed directly at the tip of the ear as it's developing, will keep insects from entering. And that may be, but I have found by the time that a that an ear of corn is showing silks, there's the insects are already going to be in there uh, most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. So sometimes that is not effective for me. Like I said, I use the Green Step Caterpillar Control. It is an organic product, um, but there there's lots and lots of different ways to do it. A, a quick Google search will help you to choose what's right for you in your garden in controlling the insects that prey on corn. So as far as the three sisters go, corn plays a very significant role in that. Not only does it provide the structure for beans to climb up, but it also provides shade and a small amount of protection for emerging squash plants. Now, in two weeks, when we talk about squash, um, remember, we won't be talking about just one particular type of squash. We'll talk about um, all the different kinds of squash. Um, But the one thing that they they all sort of benefit from is having cooler roots. And that's one of the things that corn produces for them. Corn is a very tall plant for the most part, especially, you know, compared to squash. And so it does shade the roots and kind of helps to hold in the soil moisture. The really amazing thing about the three sisters is the fact that when you eat them together or even spread out throughout the day, they provide all nine essential amino acids. The nine amino acids that your body absolutely cannot produce on its own and have to come from food, you can get all nine of them from eating corn, beans, and squash together. So even though this is a gardening group, um, we do garden to produce food and our food is very important to us and what it can do for our bodies. So I hope you tune in next week as we talk about beans. And don't forget that anytime you want more information, you can go to the Gardeners with Altitude website at www.gardenerswithaltitude.com and download the transcripts, check out the links, leave comments, and anything else that you'd like to learn, um, it should be available there. Until next time, happy gardening!